Welcome to Mystery Outsiders and Abs. I'm Kevin Weir. I'm Aaron Weir, and this is a Teen Drama Fan Cast. And we are talking about the OC, and Aaron, this episode that we are going to talk about is wild. So, at the opening of this episode, when they do, like, the previously on, for some reason, Marissa and she says, does a voiceover. And she says... If you don't know what we're talking about, if, if if you have been keeping up with the OC, here's what happened. Was this this has to be after a break, right? Yeah, but it makes no sense because the previous episode was on Valentine's Day. So what kind of break did they take? I don't know. And not not only that, like this is hard. To, this is hard to describe for an for an audience. Like if you have not watched this episode recently, specifically if you've not watched the episode before this one and this one. This episode feels like a different crew shot it. Like, the camera work is different. Mm-hmm. The The script is written differently. It even sometimes feels like the actors are acting it differently. It's like they fired everyone and replaced them with a whole new team. So I'm going to be bringing up the points throughout this when I had these moments of, like, it, it felt this weird... It's, 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 it's so hard to describe. It felt so different different and not not good or bad in some cases i would say actually like it felt like really good like i say whoever wrote this episode really nailed dialogue yes the dialogue in this episode is fantastic of like how smoothly transitions are and how mm-hmm. and some of it i guess is the actors just suddenly got i don't think the actors suddenly got, i think the actors were always good i think this this script speaks to them a lot better however well the dialogue is better some of the motivations there, it does, are insane. Yeah, it feels also like we might have, like, it feels almost like there's a, there's a plot point in at least one specific storyline that was skipped over. And now they're trying to explain it to us now. Which, which makes me feel like there was some sort of break here. Because I can, can you imagine if you were just binge watching these shows, you know, just watching yeah. through as you were. You just like recorded them off of your TV. And or even then... if you're watching them off of the DVDs, but one after another rather yeah. than a week in between it. This would be such a stark, startling switch. <laughs> and it's so weird that Marissa does the voiceover. Because isn't it normally just like generic man voice going previously on the OC? I think it is, yeah. And it, I mean, it's not really a, a voiceover. It's just her saying. But no, it's it, just it, someone it, saying previously on the OC. But now but she's saying. This time. In, in case you haven't been keeping up with the OC. And it gives us like stuff all the way back. Like stuff this that entire happened, season. Like, season one, not season one. Episode one. Yeah. I'm a uh. little sad that this episode is crazy. <laughs> because we need to talk about it a lot. Yeah. But we saw Rent yesterday, which is like the most teen drama musical. It, it it's true. On a if if I was making a scale of teen of not teen angst but young angst, I would put Rent up at the high end. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe also Spring Awakening. That's pretty up there. I mean, Spring I would, Awakening I, has a song called "The Bitch of Living." I mean, I would put that one as teen sex angst. Teen sex angst. Yeah. Well, Moritz does not have. Yeah, Moritz does not have sex angst. He has I failed my test angst. Yeah, but I mean, it's Why all metaphorical. smart enough? It's all metaphorical for sex angst. No, he's sad because he's not smart enough, and then he kills himself. Not a spoiler. This is a play <laughs> from the 1800s. <laughs> That's now a musical written by Duncan Sheik. Because musicals are cool. Yeah. We can't talk about Rent, though. No, no. We have, we have to talk about this episode. So we might as well get into it, because this is the OC, Season 3, Episode 16, The Road Warrior.
and we begin with, as we said, that opening, and it is tonally strange. Like, the music that's playing versus the scenes we're seeing. It's all like this, like, hinky hijinks music. Like, haha, the OC is so wacky. Look at all these slaps. Yeah, like, like, like kind of a rock like pop back to, but it's it's to the scenes of like Johnny dying mm-hmm. and like these heavy emotional moments of, of Kirsten and Sandy talking about like does Sandy know where the line is and you know Summer hitting Seth so many times yeah it's it's, it's very tonally strange and then that immediately slides into what appears to be a Summer Roberts voiceover what? This is the OC. There's not voiceovers. <laughs> what is this? What are we watching? Scrubs? What's going on here? Well, what's going on is Marissa walks into Summer's room. Summer's voiceover is talking about choices as yeah. she looks at two bathing suits. Yeah. Marissa comes in and Summer scampers off to turn off her tape player. Because she's has she talks about how she, you know there's shows like The Valley they have voiceovers and I want a voiceover <laughs> in my life. Now now. If the beginning had not been so weird and felt, like, I literally wrote down, like, who edited that opening? Because it does not fit with anything we've ever seen in the OC. If that and then this had not happened, I wouldn't have instantly been like, okay, guess we're doing a voiceover for this episode. (laughs) I accepted it very quickly. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is a summer episode. We're in summer's head. Well, most of us like, okay, I guess we're just going real weird now. I guess something has happened. Now, to be fair, we do go real weird now, <laughs> but it's not voiceover weird. Do you do you think, I feel like this episode, from all the stuff that goes on to it, feels like this was written by a really good sitcom writing team. Yeah, this be- is very sitcom-y. Yeah, because, like, the, the it's, it's, or it's like they brought someone in to punch up the script. Like, they well, brought Joss Whedon in to punch up the script. You know, the LC needs to be funnier. Everyone was real sad when Johnny died. Let's bring in some comedy. And to be fair, this is le- there's also a, there's a lot of legitimately funny like, like meta actual moments. funny bits. Well, I mean, this entire bit was summer because the implication there is that she also pre decided to have a, a voiceover about indecision. Well, I hope she has tapes that are just like labeled things like indecision, P- picking out a bikini, <laughs> or another one that's labeled like like. Thoughts about Seth. Yeah, <laughs> so she can just play them depending on what she's feeling that moment. Yeah. Anyway, this this entire thing is is all set because they're going over to the uh, Cohen's house to do some hot tubbing. Yeah. Um. So they go to the hot tub. Yeah. Ryan is not there. No. In fact, Marissa has not seen him recently. Yeah. Apparently, he's been very busy. What we will soon to learn is they they keep like helping out Gwen. Gwen Harper? Uh, him's not. No, he's helping out Sandy Harper, because we will not see Gwen Harper this uh, episode. Because Gwen Harper has somehow become the most incompetent human who has ever lived. Now, to be fair, her son did die. But I mean, we'll, we'll get to that, but, uh, I mean, actually, we can get that right now, because this entire scene is mostly just some comedy hijinks. Seth makes a comment about, like, ooh, me and two girls in a hot tub. And then, and then, and then Marissa and Summer call his bluff. And he does not like it. Like, nope, nope, I don't want... I, don't. <laughs> I, I can't handle this love. <laughs> so, meanwhile, as we said, we find out that Ryan is uh, helping Sadie. 
they have this sort of like pseudo romantic fixing pipe moment where the pipe bursts and gets them all wet and oh ha what fun we have ryan is genuinely happy in a way we have not seen for months it feels like and i forgot what ryan's like when he's happy yeah he's man let's let's just say i'm rooting for something (laughs) he is genuinely filled with joy he loves these domestic chores yeah we find out soon i think in this scene that he went over to help paint yeah and he, then yeah. the sink got clogged yeah because seth called and be like hey where are you i'm i i can't handle this situation i'm currently in uh but yeah he 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 was helping with painting and now he's helping with doing the piping but that's all interrupted by the police. <gasps> the police are there. They come to the door and Sadie talks to them and then she kind of sneaks into the kitchen. She's like, Brian, you got to go. <laughs> now, this is very <laughs> odd to me. So they want a, a, what she says here is that it seems though the police um, are essentially looking into Johnny's death because I think it might not have been an accident. And Ryan goes, well, he fell. I know. I was there. And it seems where the police don't want to. Sp- I guess they weren't planning on speaking to him. They, yeah, they wanted to-, to talk to. Sadie? Yeah. I assume they wanted to talk to Gwen. I, I I don't know who they wanted to talk to. But it they, wasn't Ryan. But it wasn't Ryan, who seems like the person that they most would have wanted to talk to, as he is he was there. But in fact, the police in this episode, this is sort of a spoiler, but not really, will never want to talk to Ryan. The boy who was standing on the cliff, extending a hand to Johnny. This also is, they'll want to talk about Ryan, but they'll want to do it through the most dramatically... <laughs> appropriate way of doing it (laughs) now i just want to point out did you notice that behind johnny's house there's a weirdly big and fancy looking rv parked behind it okay yes because we're getting shots we've never seen before because ryan goes out the back of johnny's house we are getting angles we are getting locations we are getting things we have never experienced in the oc before even that hot tub shot, because we've seen them hanging out at the pool a lot, and I've always known the hot tub is there. But we've, They've never used the hot tub before, I don't think. Yeah, it, it, it's, well, it's hard to say. It's very small things. It's subtle things. Mm-hmm. Like this, like we go right from there to like a, uh, do, do you remember that uh, Burn Notice? Do you know the show Burn Notice? Oh, yeah. Um, you know Burn Notice, it's interstitials where shots of women in bikinis on the beach Oh, you're right. Yes. We get one of those where it's just sequences of women in bikinis on beaches, which apparently is their way to cut from Johnny's house to Marissa's trailer. Where Marissa and Summer are talking about how Summer wants to throw a double date. (laughs) She claims it's a party, but it's not. Yeah, she wants to do a double date. And Marissa's like, eh, maybe. And Summer's like, haha, j'accuse. You just want to get out of this. Well, she she does she both wants to but doesn't want to see Ryan because like she wants to see him but he was she wasn't the one who bailed on the the hot, the hot tub, tub last night. Also, Marissa is still conflicted because two boys like her. We <laughs> they, saw this last episode. She yeah. laid down on that bed and held that necklace. They they weirdly are pulling back on it in this episode, though. Do you so, feel like yes? Which makes yeah. me wonder if they took a break and they read the <laughs> blogs and they're like, "Oh no, people don't like this." Oh no! Instead, we'll 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 do something else. We'll give her new conflict. No, really, she's very passive in this episode. Yeah, she doesn't do anything because considering how active she's been in like past ones at her whole like two boys like me. Yeah, now she's very passive, and and it almost feels like I'm trying to be like, ah, oh, yes, feel bad for her. 
She's the victim. Mm, she truly has done nothing wrong. She has not gaslit her boyfriend again. <laughs> well, Summer feels good about this pep talk, and she really wishes she could give an equally good pep talk to her dad, because he's so depressed. He's at work all the time, and he never comes home. <laughs> oh, the dramatic irony. Oh. <laughs> okay, now, I do want to take a moment here. This scene was shot on a steady cam, which no, I've never seen the OC before. Like, it had that shaky cam thing. Yeah. Yeah. That shot's never happened before in the OC. It's it's very, like, yeah, this new thing. drama type thing. Like, that's the sort of shot you'd see on, the sh- like, uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine or... There are other dra- teen drama shows that did something like this. Because I know there's the one that's... that portrays itself as a um reality show oh yeah yeah um so it's it's similar to that kind of shot well you see this in a lot of like netflix shows too like yeah of 13 reasons why yeah but but like this was really the era of the locked off camera yeah so it's interesting to see them just deciding this one shot in this one scene they've used it before in uh in fight scenes though they have they have used shaky cam in fight scenes but this is just a conversation between two people, and they use a, uh, a shaky cam in it. Or steady cam, I guess. I keep saying shaky and steady interchangeably. I know what you mean. It is a steady cam shot, but it's a lot more movement in a steady cam shot than there usually is. Now I have a question. Yeah. I wrote down that Marissa gets a phone call. Do we find out who that's from or why? Um. <laughs> because it clearly is not important. I scanned down and I have no further notes. I didn't it's, even write that down. Well, it's a segue because Marissa gets a phone call. And then at the same time, Ryan shows up at... Ryan and Seth? Yep. Show up I don't at, know why Seth's there. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> they show up at Johnny's house before school to yeah. check on Gwen. Well, he... he but Gwen's he, not there. He, he brings, like, stuff with him. Oh, yeah, like house supplies. Because I guess later they're going to they're gonna do, they're gonna do something... Unfortunately, Gwen's not there, and Sadie is on the phone with Gwen. Yeah. Because it turns out that somehow she is now worried the bank is going to foreclose on her house. Not worried. They are going to foreclose on her house. But Sadie says, no, they won't. Unfortunately, because they're not sure that Johnny's death was an accident anymore, they've shut down the insurance well, claim no, that, it's that, frozen. That makes sense because if if the claim was on accidental death, you don't pay it on and like they need to know what the yeah, style yeah. does before no, they no, pay no. it out. No, no, no. That's not why I'm puzzled. Yeah. I'm puzzled because Johnny's mom has a good job as a nurse. I was I was writing down that this has nothing to do with Johnny's death. Like if Johnny was still alive, this situation would still be ongoing, but they seem to be implying that Johnny's death has made her poor. <laughs> it's like they confused the Caleb dying, like the death of a of like a, a breadwinner in the house. Johnny wasn't the breadwinner in that house. He's um, a surf bum. Unless funerals are no, he didn't even have a funeral. He had a beach ceremony. No, it no it it literally it, the they make it really sound like that like because of this death, like she's going to lose the house. But nothing about the death should cause this to happen. Unless. Unless are they poor because Johnny had that very expensive knee surgery? No, no. the hospital paid for no, it. Aaron, no, Aaron, I'm I'm sorry. There is no explanation for this other than the fact that they conflated two different tropes: death of a child, death of a breadwinner. 
She has a good job. She does. She's a nurse. She does. No, I agree, Aaron. This makes no, this, no, it doesn't make no sense. It has nothing to do with Johnny dying. Well, it's just an excuse, but we'll deal with that later. <laughs> anyway, uh, the cops, uh, the reason they're asking this again is because they say that there's, there's uh, new evidence. And Ryan's like, up. oh, God, well, I'll go talk to them. <laughs> they No, they, they don't care about Ryan. <laughs> no, no, they want Marissa. Oh, they need to talk to Marissa. You know, the person who was standing at the bottom of the cliff. <laughs> Not Caitlin either. Marissa. <laughs> hey, here's what I'll say. It will become clear why they're talking to Marissa. Yes. This, this, to be fair... This storyline actually makes... A lot it, of sense. Okay, this specific storyline makes a lot of sense, but it's wrapped into the storyline that makes no sense, and then bookended by another storyline that makes very little sense. So it's framed in a way, at this point, it seems that they're implying that it was murder. Somehow Murder it's, most foul. It's, it's Marissa's fault, the one who clearly would have no evidence for it at all. <laughs> now, we'll talk about this later, but right now... Murder. Murder. I was head over to uh, Kirsten and Julie, who are having a business meeting. And once again, Kirsten is doing work, and Julie is not paying attention because she's thinking about her own life. So we are going to get more Julie and Neil, but at least this is reasonable, like, relationship stuff. They yeah. are dating. But they're keeping it secret from their kids. Because they don't know how they will react. And Julie... Which is appropriate, because they know who Summer is. <laughs> and they know who Marissa is. <laughs> you needed to tell me earlier. You can't tell me this right now. Mom. Mom. <laughs> I'm going through something right now. You, how, how could you do this to me? Mom, I'm having so many emotions. My relationship is dying. How can you have a new relationship blooming? Why can't you think about me for once? Mom. Uh... Anyway, <laughs> what what this entire scene is mostly just like Julie and Neil coming to, coming to the mutual decision in this scene. They're like, yeah, you know, we probably should. We should maybe tell our children. Yeah, we'll have a meeting about it and talk about, you know, <laughs> how we're going to broach it with them. Great. Also, we find out that Kirsten and Julie have been spending too much money on marketing. So Kirsten, Kirsten wants to use her charm to convince their old magazine people to advertise her thing for free. And I think that's a significant point. <laughs> Kirsten wants to exploit previous relationships she had to get a favor. I'm really glad you brought that up. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just going to put a pin in that right now. <laughs> I, I, I highlighted that in my notes. Because <laughs> it's like a throwaway line, but she oh. very clearly says, oh, yeah. let's go talk to our magazine people and see if they'll add, because she says we're spending too much on marketing. We'll see if they'll advertise us in their fancy magazines. I, I, well, you know, she'll go up to um, uh, uh, Carter. Carter. I guess he's technically in New York. Yeah, but you can call him. You can call him, exactly. He has a phone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You can use those. Hmm. He And he loved her. He loved her so much. He left her a necklace. Yeah, I know. Back when we were in the Newport group. Was it a necklace? Um, I think it was a necklace. I don't know. <laughs> a lot we, of we, necklaces we might in be the show. We might be conflating that with Johnny, but there's a lot of necklaces in the show. Do you know what there's not a lot of in the show that we get right now? An establishing shot of the Newport group. Yeah. For the first time, I'm able to put in perspective what the Newport group is. Because we see the an establishing shot of an office building with a Newport group in front of it. It's this big, like, glass. Massive building. Massive building. And then we cut in to Matt doing business work on his Bluetooth headset. Once again, small things, but we've never seen the outside of this building before. And we've been there many times. 
And so yeah, we get we get a scene with um with Matt and Maya. She just comes to visit because Matt is so in love that he forgets all of his things well, all she, the time. She's dropping something off I because think. he's so in love he forgets all his things. Right. I think it was files or his phone or yeah, something. Yeah. Uh, and then we get then we get a moment like as soon as you know they do that, then Sandy comes in. And is like, oh no! Don't don't let me. Hey, you you guys be in love. I'm just going to go work on some hospital stuff. But we. As we try to figure out, I know I spent the most episodes trying to figure out what exactly this hospital process is. So I thought that they did their presentation to that skeevy guy. Yeah, skeevy guy into it. Yes, because he doesn't actually care about any proposal. He just likes skeevy things. Absolutely. Now, because he's approved, the only thing that needs to happen is the board of doctors has to sign off. Yes, and Maya's the daughter of the head doctor. So I thought they were going to essentially like that's their way of essentially like. Kind of greasing the way. Yeah. Have her be like, oh, yeah, I've heard about their presentation. It's awesome. But now the implication is that... They lost the contract. Somehow. And they need... Maya's the only way to get a second meeting. Oh, man. We'll, we'll, We'll touch on this repeatedly throughout this. But the main point is in this scene, Sandy is like, well, Matt, just, you know... Make sure you talk to Maya about the hospital. The hospital will do a lot of good. It feels like there so, was it feels like there was a, an episode missing in just this plot line. No other plot line. Does it also seem like if Sandy doesn't get the hospital contract, no one will build the hospital? That is the feeling I'm getting. It's it's weird. <laughs> I mean, I guess there was a throwaway line earlier that if the other people get the contract, they're going to do a hospital that's only for the riches. But so is that the idea that it, that he, despite the, that skeezy guy and his like what's what was his group? He was a board of directors? Yeah, and he said the two proposals were basically the same. So so even though the boards of directors sign off on that, if they don't if the the doctors don't, it automatically goes to the other one. It I it really felt like I, here's the, we obviously don't know a whole lot about any of this, but this, no. but there, this feels like a lot. And I feel like people who know things, like writers... Could someone tell us if this is good or bad? Because I have no idea what's they, going on. It, it, feels, it feels wrong. And if they... So, please explain to us. <laughs> if Sandy doesn't get the hospital contract, there's no, no hospital? Or is it that when they... When, when when the the board of directors or uh, doctors the doctor said no the the directors went to the other one instead because... but when did they present to the doctors i know that's why i'm assuming there's something missing here did they just forget to present oh i don't know okay so right. th- th- this th- happens. that's the whole situation let's head over to where summer and seth are angst summer is angsting about her dad yeah he's still so sad yeah in comes taylor who's Who- like <gasps> Your dad's sad? Let me make a plan. She's in a in a rare mood this episode, and it is beautiful. She is on, if one were manic depressive, which she might be, yeah. she is in a manic state this episode. So her suggestion is that they what, what they need to do is get him a date. Well, or get him therapy. Those are the two choices. Yes, but she figures it's much easier to get him a date for some reason. <laughs> so she informs Summer that Summer will... Sign her dad up for Kirsten and Julie's dating. This is the third time they have <laughs> mentioned signing him up for that same dating service. And he has twice been a part of it with, like, he has never paid for their services. <laughs> well, once once they said it, but really they just wanted him to go on a date with one specific person. The second time was, like, a trick from Julie to, like, pick 
a woman out like a... And he went on a date with, like... (laughs) (laughs) They need to stop using the dating service to get to Neil. (laughs) But it's been different characters every time. The first time it was Sandy and Kirsten, then it was Julie, and now it's Summer. But Taylor knows how Neil and... Well, Summer does ask. She's like, oh, so, you know, the general herpes, they cleared up. And then she's like... (laughs) I don't know if my mom will give him a second chance. Yeah, yeah, no, she has she asked that to uh to Seth, who clearly knows so much about Neil's junk. As you do. Yeah. Oh uh, man. I'm happy Taylor's back. I love her. <laughs> yeah, she's she's very good this episode. Uh we do get a quick scene with Ryan and Marissa who like talk with the police, then Ryan's like, they're only asking about you. <laughs> which which uh, instantly makes Marissa stress out. Because, I mean, why wouldn't it make someone stress out? Yeah, and they're sort of like, should we talk about our situation? Well, let's go to class. <laughs> we'll talk about, it, talk about it another time. Never. <laughs> All right. Uh, once again, Ryan arrives at the Harper place to help with fix, supplies to fix up that wall. That I guess that happened when they burst the pipe. Why is there a hole in John's yeah. wall? All right, sorry, we skipped over this. When Ryan and Seth get there, I thought that was implying there was a break in or something. But it's just a hole in the wall. No, it's just that, that there is randomly. I, it, I almost look like someone like stole their stove, doesn't yeah. it? It's like in The Sims when a burglar breaks into your house and they just like things just disappear. Yeah. <laughs> so like. like I don't know what's supposed to be. I don't know how that happened, but it's just like the walls tore down. So now Ryan's there with like stucco and stuff to be like, oh, I fucked a hole in the wall. Yeah, I'm really good at this. But Sadie's got another plan. She's got to go. She's going to go to Brea. To Johnny's dad to get all of the child support that he, I guess he's never paid child support. Not for three years. Yeah, but remember three years ago is when Johnny punched his dad in the face. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. So he's never paid child support. he's never paid child support. And she's going to go with Wojciech. Yeah. Because Wojciech's dad knows where Johnny's dad is. But but turns out that is that it's instantly actually not what's going to happen. Like it's, like Voychuk swaggers in and then flirts with Ryan for a little bit. <laughs> and Ryan's like, absolutely nope, not. Nope. And Sadie's like, you know what? You're right. Absolutely not. <laughs> now that I have been in the presence of Voychuk for like thirty seconds. I, I remembered what he's like. <laughs> I don't want to spend I don't want to spend like However many hours in a car with him as he talks about what about about red pills and how cool Ryan is, <laughs> cool and terrible. I hate that Ryan so much with his pillowy lips. So Sadie does the reasonable thing and makes Voychuk write down the address. And then she's just gonna go with Ryan, I guess. But Voychuk does leave with a very weird threat to Ryan. He's like, "Well, I guess if you're going out of town, it means your girlfriend's staying here." What goes around comes around. And then he just, like, keeps lingering eye contact. And so Wojciech, I guess, just gets mad at boys and then stalks their girlfriends until they sleep with him. He has a very weird pattern. Because that's why he slept with Casey, too. He was mad at Johnny. I would almost say a very weird kink. <laughs> <laughs> He is he is very into cucking. Now, I kind of love Voychuk. He is the most shoehorned in character who has ever been shoehorned in anywhere. I don't know why he exists. Anytime he is physically anywhere, I don't know why he's in that place. Uh, well, for- and this will come up. 
Well, fortunately, he's not with um, Ryan and Sadie as they drive out to see Uncle Jack. And uh, Sadie was like, let me tell you my deep, dark secret. I visited Johnny one summer and I dated Voychuk. And Ron's like, yeah, I kind of got that. And then she's like, how would you understand what it's like in your $80,000 Range Rover? You don't know what it's like to date Voychuk. Um, well, the, really, the, he's, that came up because he was trying to give her directions. Oh, yeah. And she's like, ah, oh, why would you, you know, you've driving. You, you don't know how to go inland. You only live in the OC. <laughs> he's like, oh, right. I keep forgetting that people don't know about me. Everyone automatically knows about me. Sadie. <laughs> Everyone hates me for some reason. I'm Ryan Atwood. I'm very poor. And Sandy Cohen loved me so much that I have new parents now. Yeah. Yeah. Which means that she doesn't know Ryan's last name. Because he has to explain that the Coens are not his parents. I mean, yeah, but I, I, she, I mean, she knew him as Ryan. and probably just assumed. Actually, she wouldn't even know his last name. No. I think a reason would. She only knows. She only knows him and Marissa. Yes, and she's seen his fancy and, car, and sometimes and, Seth is there. And Voychuk. Ah, oh, Voychuk. I do like how she can see him and Seth and be like, "Yes, related." <laughs> <laughs> and Ryan's like, "Look, my brother, coma. My mom, wine. My dad." prison and she's like cool my uncle was in prison too <laughs> and ryan's like good good god we're bonding over this sadie this is the only way that gwen's gonna keep her house apparently so awesome awesome so uh speaking of double dates sandy goes and sets up a double date with him and matt and kirsten and maya and his idea is that he's going to bring up the proposal. Because he doesn't want to put Matt in a bad situation. Yeah. I will say, uh, spoiler alert for later, Sandy brings, Sandy brings the proposal in a very bad way. But he's so earnest and genuine about it. He is, yeah, yeah. Well, once again, it's the idea of doing good things for bad, or doing bad things, doing for, bad good things for good reasons. Yeah. Yeah. However, this conversation is interrupted. By uh, Marissa showing up because she needs legal advice. Yes, because she believes that the police suspect her. Of. Something. Murder. Most foul. Mm, yep. Yeah, yeah. And Sandy's like, okay, well, you're a minor, so you should definitely have an adult. <laughs> you definitely have a lawyer there. So uh, we're going to cancel your deposition. We're going to reschedule it at a location of my choosing, which is my house. <laughs> he's like, no, I don't want Ryan to be there. Little as you know that Ryan will not be there. No, he's out of town. But, but don't worry. Because Matt is there to offer his house. We can do it at my house. <laughs> Matt, okay, Why is Matt. Matt forever doing things? Like, are they setting up a Matt Marissa romance? I hope not. He's I, a grown up and she's no, a child. No, I think they're setting up another romance. I think just they just have Matt around. I think they really wanted to use his set again. <laughs> we do see it in, like, very quick quick glances. There's a lot of locations in this episode. There's a lot of... Because they could have done it at the Newport group. They could have done it at Summer's house. This feels like a very expensive episode. For reasons unknown. Because it's not that good. And it doesn't do that much. We'll talk about this. Alright, so we go from Marissa uh, worrying about things to Summer worrying about things. So, uh, Julie and Kirsten are sort of doing work again, and in comes Summer. With a file folder of information she has put together so that they can set her dad up with the perfect person. This this essentially is a scene full of dramatic irony. Where uh, she explains that her dad has bad taste in women. So she has made a list of the ideal woman he should date. Blonde! She's mentally stable. She's a crossword enthusiast. She has her own money. She's, Sa- she's Sharon Stone. Etc, etc, etc. I... 
This scene is actually spectacular. It's really well written. Like, this is what makes me think that this scene was written by a different crew that probably has done a lot of sitcom writing. Because this scene does a good job of putting up all the dramatic irony stuff, but also keeping it very light. Like, it doesn't end with Julie being like, oh no, now my heart, what? What do I do now? She says to Kristen, she's like, Kristen... How can I be enough woman for Neil? How can I be all these things? Because is like, don't, never what, don't? <laughs> you will never be any of those things. Maybe you can be blonde. <laughs> don't worry about it. But of course, Julie, Julie's going to worry about it. And really, really what Curse's big deal is like, Julie, you, got, you need to talk to Summer. <laughs> Julie, you're already dating him. He likes you. Tell your children. <laughs> Tell your children that you're dating. Here's a weird scene. They go to Brea. They go to the house where Johnny's dad lives. Some random man answers the door. They yeah. say, is Johnny's dad here? Because you're not him. And he says, why? You got bad news? And they're like, oh, no, we have good news. And he goes, oh, well, I hate that guy. Oh, yeah. Every person that they meet says they hate Jack Harper. Like, Voltaire's like, yeah, I hate him. My dad hates him, too. And this guy's like, yeah, I hate him as well. So once they find out that they hate him, then they reveal that he owes some people money, and he's like, cool. So he, he skipped town to Indio. So uh, I guess they're going to Indio. Unfortunately, it's two hours away, so they can't do so any looking until the morning. Mm. So they're going to get a <laughs> hotel room. Yeah. It's, it's essentially, this, the, there's just, this entire thing is a bunch of moments for Ryan to leave the situation. But he's like, no, no. No, I'll help. I'll keep, I'll keep being here. I'm a man who commits to a thing, and this thing is hunting down the <laughs> dad of a man who I liked, but had complex feelings about. Well, he, uh, this is all based on the fact that he definitely does feel responsible. Mm-hmm. It's, it's insane to me this show doesn't dwell on that a lot more. It's, like, opposed to Marissa, Ryan, if the police talk to Ryan, he actually might feel responsible for... Because he was standing on the cliff. And he tried to grab him and failed. It's in... All Marissa did was stand at the bottom and scream and cry. It it just shows so much of, like, this this show's priorities to be like, no, no, we gotta, we gotta you know, poke Marissa more than, than delve into this whole new batch of interesting drama. The thing with Ryan, though, is Ryan is mentally stable... And he's, like, processing his emotions. Yeah, but, like... They but could've... he's also processing his emotions by hanging out with Sadie. Yeah, they, the, the thing is, like, they, I feel like they could... They could... The, the pushing they did on Marissa in this episode makes no sense versus what, how they could have done it with, like, Ryan. And they've sort of closed the door on it by the end of this episode. Yeah. So... so uh, well... Well, episode... So, Aaron. Yes, Kevin. So, this week, what made you happy? Rent! Yeah? Yeah. I mean, I was just going to say Rent as well. Honestly, so we just talk about, the, about yeah. Rent. We saw Rent. We It was awesome, because I've seen Rent, like, quite a few times. I saw it in New York in 2001, maybe, like, when it was really new. Yeah. I saw um, a national tour in, like, 2009-ish yeah. with Anthony Rapp and Adam Pascal. I saw a national tour with, like, kids. I saw a Rent School Edition performance that was done. <laughs> Do you remember in Calgary there used to be youth theater that performed in Olympic Plaza? Um, and it was like kind of free but donation-based and you kind of sat like on the risers. Not really. And it was mostly kids from the Performing Arts School that's out in Okotoks. Yeah. 
Anyway, they did rent school edition one day, and literally the uh, druggies like mm-hmm. walked around like zombies. And I was like, "This is that's not that's a hard show to do school edition of." Really, they just like cut contact and cut some of the swears, mm-hmm. and I guess they made the druggies zombies. So. You know. All right, sure. But, like, they still did Out Tonight and Today for You. Yeah, I guess if you just don't think about it too hard. Yeah. (laughs) But anyway, the production we saw last night, really solid, or yesterday afternoon, actually, really solid. The cast was really, really young. Yeah. Which is the only way this show works. It only, it's the only way that show can stand up. But I will say, and we talked about this quite a bit yesterday, but as an adult, when you watch Rent, you're like, Benny. Penny, he's so good. He comes around and he tries to help his friends and they just boo him all the time. I've, I've, I've also said this multiple times. Like, Rent is... It's only Rent is a bad show. It's just a show that does not stand up under very close scrutiny. Like, if... if like, take, like, taking it... If just, like, watching it as a fun thing, music's great and it's very inspiring for, like, certain mindsets. But there's just tiny details in there that just make you go, like... It's like watching Friends... Well, and it was, like, very revolutionary at the time. Mm-hmm. But the time was 23 years ago. Yeah. And uh, the world is different now. And we all become adults and we realize that they are very lucky because nowhere else they could live while their landlord let them just not pay rent. And there's a lot of also, like, poverty tourism going on by some of the main characters in there. Well, Not I, all of them, obviously. I think the problem is, when Jonathan Larson wrote it, yeah. because he lived in the East Village in the 90s, Yeah, he could not have fathomed it was going to become the sensation it became. Yeah. So I think he didn't explain some of that stuff as well. Yeah. Because for him, like, that was what he lived. And he did just hang out with the homeless people who lived in the tent city next door to his building. And yeah. I'm sure he did experience things like the uh, song when Mark is trying to chase the cops off and he films the homeless woman and she goes off on him. Yeah. Like, he didn't know what the show was going to become, so he didn't delve as deep into some of the issues that he would have. Yeah. You know, if he hadn't died the day before opening. That's sort of of what I I mean by where the show falls apart under close inspection. So there's very clearly moments in there that, like, like... that are tidbits to really cooler, to really cool things. Well, and I think if he hadn't died the day before opening, he would have written future works yeah. that would have explored different themes. But the intent of Rent is not to explore those themes. The no. intent of Rent is to tell the story it tells yeah. in the time it tells. The problem is we've all now heard the story. <laughs> I mean, I've seen the show, what, seven times? Yeah. So that makes me look at different things. Yeah. And that makes me go deeper. Yeah. They're all they're they're all they're all kind of kind of bad people. I don't. I don't you know, no, you no. said that yesterday, and we did joke about it a lot. But upon further reflection, I don't think that's a fair statement. The problem is that the bad's not the term I want to use. I want to term I want to use a much more joking term, but it's also a curse word, <laughs> so I can't say it. So bad's the one I want. I guess I'm, is what I'm going with. But that puts in a lot of connotations that I don't actually mean because they're not actually bad people, but they're the other word people. Well, and I think some of the struggle... Which is fine, because that's what characters should be. And some of the struggle, too, is they are so, so young. So when you watch it as a 30-year-old, 
you're not them. It's sort of like watching these teen dramas when the characters do irrational, annoying, emotionally driven things. And you're like, what the what? And then you go, huh? Yeah, they're 16. And 16-year-olds are, to use your word, kind of bad. Yeah. Like, they're not in control of their emotions, and they make irrational choices. But it's it's so hard sometimes to watch that as an adult, because you see yourself. Like, I remember being a university student who was an artist, and... But, I mean, there, there's also, like, whenever you're looking at something, you're always looking at something at the idea of characters and as a collective, like, writing thing. Mm-hmm. Like, someone... Because someone made... Like it, yeah. It's weird. It's weird whenever you're doing any sort of like delving into that. <sighs> also, it's a period piece, and I'm it sorry. Is. It's the '90s. <laughs> In 1996, you sir were five. Yeah. So yeah, I have my own stuff going on. <laughs> my girlfriend was doing drugs. My my friend wanted to finish his movie. I might be conflating my life with Rogers. You just wanted to go to the park next door and beat the big kids with your little plastic baseball bat because you wanted to be on the park. It's my park. It's your park. All right. So in a continuation of new locations we've never seen before. We're in... A Korean barbecue restaurant. How many restaurants does Newport suddenly have? Now, here's the thing. It adds many as it should have. <laughs> it used to only have the arches. The arches. And then we... Well, the arches, the diner. It had that seafood restaurant Ryan worked in the first season, which might become the diner. And it had the bait shop. Yes. But suddenly this episode, there was like that pilot re- pirate restaurant that Julie and Neil yeah, went to. a couple episodes ago. There is definitely another fancy restaurant that is not the Arches. You don't think? I don't think that is the Arches. They go to later in this one. Yeah, it's a different fancy restaurant, and now there's the Korean barbecue. It's, it's hard to tell because they do shoot the Arches in a bunch of different ways. It's sometimes hard to tell. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, it's a Korean barbecue restaurant, and it's uh, uh, it's Neil coming in, and they do this like slow tracking shot that goes up to the fact that Julie has dressed as Sharon Stone <laughs> from from Basic Instinct, Instinct specifically. She is holding a cigarette. She's not smoking it. It's definitely unlit. <laughs> she definitely tried to smoke it. And then that nice waiter came by and said, ma'am, don't. This is the year 2006, so we don't smoke inside anymore. It's not 1996. This is not rent. Yeah, so she's trying to, like, you know, play it off. She's trying to do the, cr- she's doing the crossword and being very, like, like smart about that. And Neil's like, what is going on? <laughs> I'm instantly suspicious, Julie. But hey. They're not the only ones who's there. So we find out that Taylor Tenstead speaks Korean. Fluent Korean, apparently. <laughs> and is very irritated with her mother for ordering. Because <laughs> she's the one who should order. I do. <laughs> I love that, that, she, that how, like, she has this conversation with the waiter where she's, like, apologizing to him and doing, like, these, like, flippy things. And just casual Korean. And the waiter's like, this is, the, this is definitely the only time anyone in that... In that restaurant has ever, ever spoken, spoken Korean. Korean to him. And he's like, okay, cool. Like, this is weird, but I like it. And, and, he, and he's like a young, handsome man. Like, like she's, kind of, she's kind of flirting with him, but I don't think she knows she is. No, she's just being Taylor. And then she sees something. And the something she sees is Neil. So she's going to go over and talk to him, but then she hears a woman's voice. And then she does some spying. Yeah. <laughs> so before we have the fallout of that... Marissa and Summer are on the phone. They do the thing that happens every episode where they talk about what's going on in their lives. Yeah. And Summer's like, seriously, Marissa, you need to talk to Ryan about your relationship. Yeah. 
And so she hangs up and calls Ryan. Unfortunately, Ryan is busy dramatically looking out his motel window. <laughs> yeah. And then proceeding to play strip poker with Sadie. And it seems a completely non-sexual way. Yeah, this this is the most chaste strip poker I've ever heard of. I don't think they actually went naked with it. Because well, we because, see well, both and, of them. Well, and later they actually imply they play, they're not actually playing strip poker. They're playing not even imply. They say that they're actually just playing to see who sleeps on the couch or who sleeps on the floor and who sleeps on the bed. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I think maybe Ryan took off his hoodie and then Sadie was like, "We're not actually stripping." All right. All right, there you go. You lost. Get down on the floor. <laughs> but he gets uh, a call from Marissa. And he ignores it. Oh, for the first time ever, we see the shot of a phone. Ooh. Once again, I'm just calling out the stuff we've never seen before. It's weird. Now it's the next day. And Ryan has slept on the floor. Although I'm a little mad at Sadie for not giving him a pillow. Although I have to assume... I he has a pillow. No, he's sleeping on his hoodie. Oh, I thought he had a his pillow. His hoodie is his pillow. I thought I didn't look that closely at it, honestly. However, this is Ryan. I can see Sadie being like, you need a pillow. And him being like, no, I'm fine. No, it's fine. I'm it's just like, be no, on the floor. T- take a pillow, dude. No. On the bright side, is one of those, like, bad motel shag carpets, so it's very comfy. Super soft. With random hard parts. Sadie rolls up with some breakfast, and also she looked in the yellow pages and found a bail bonds shop. Yeah, called Big H. That she definitely thinks <laughs> that Johnny's dad owns. Because apparently Johnny's dad used to go by Big H, which gives you even more of a clear indication what kind of person that is. Yeah, that's horrifying. Well, it's time for Ryan to do his uh, his checkup with his friend, and that is Seth rolling around in Ryan's bed. <laughs> Which is super... So I thought, I was like, Seth slept in the pool That's house? That's what I thought as well. <laughs> but no, it turns out that he's just rolling around in the bed, so his parents think that Ryan slept there. Beautiful. Such, such a great moment, because he's calling and they cut over, and you just see Seth like unrolling from the covers. <laughs> so weird and ryan's like seth don't do that that's real weird <laughs> but uh yeah, he's covering for ryan for why he's not around. around but it seems like everybody else has their own stuff to deal with like i don't think the parents notice I, and i don't think they I, here's the thing i think they definitely trust ryan like if they don't see seth they're like what's going on but ryan they're like he's probably doing something important he's dealing with something he's fighting crime anyway so uh, ryan hold uh hangs up and this rolls right into the next scene Taylor shows up, and Seth asks how she got in. Which, you know how she did. She walked around your house. Like literally everyone else. Everyone does it, Seth. Yeah, this is not new. Yeah. But she spills the beans. She is so excited about the gossip she saw. Yeah, uh, she saw that it, that it's Neil and Julie are a thing. And how are they going to tell Summer? Well, Summer's there as well. <laughs> so they don't have to. Well, I mean, they do have to. That's true. But she overhears most of it, and then they just it's have to give wait, the wait, details. Wait, wait, wait. What's going on? What did you say? Uh, your, your dad's dating Julie. I believe that Seth says that he is sleeping with Julie. It's true. Which is accurate. <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> but fortunately, Taylor knows the next spot of their illicit affair. Because she's dropped for a very long time. I do want to point out a little bit that also Taylor in this scene does look like, you know, the femme fatale from a 1930s film. Accurate. Got some weird costuming. I'm down for it. Um, and it turns out the next place of their meeting... Is golfing. Neil is teaching Julie how to golf. Well, because Julie was like, it was, you know, she was doing her whole flirtatious thing, and she was like, if, if you have, you know, anything with your dream woman, what would it be? And at least Neil's choice was like, let's go golfing. 
So she wears a really cute golf outfit. Yeah. And they do the whole cute thing where he comes up behind her and helps her with her swing. And... Yeah. And then <laughs> up drives Summer and Seth in a golf cart. And Summer has full-on binoculars. And they are clearly not that far away from them. And they pull into a parking spot. Summer sees them canoodling and is instantly disgusted. Not only canoodling, like, <laughs> I don't know what direction these actors got on the day. But they're like like hugging each other then he lifts her up and then like it's it's a weird thing to see uh, to imagine human beings doing on the golf course two adult <laughs> two humans adult human beings on They're the golf not course 16. nope and everyone around them is just sort of like i'm just gonna golf here man so uh summer and seth peel away in their golf cart yeah in disgust uh, no, I mean, no, Seth's not in disgust. Seth thinks it's kind of nice. Yeah, he but... Has, he, we learned that Seth has a grudging respect for Julie. She's got moxie. He loves it. I mean, she did some bad things, like dating his, bearing his grandpa for money, but... Yeah, but she's got moxie. So here's some insane... Things we've never seen before. We go into the bail bond shop. We see a man's shaky hands, shaky putting a gun together... But we don't ever see that man's face in this scene, because Ryan and Sadie enter and they talk to Two. another man. I think I think they made the very smart choice of not having them talk to a man with a gun. But they wanted a gun. But they wanted a gun in the scene. So, uh, Big H is not there. No, and these guys are the one, are the one people who apparently don't hate Jack Harper. I guess guess because they work for him. Now they do make a scene where they're like, "We need to talk to him about his dead son." So the guys kick out the teenagers. Yeah. So aggressive move. Very. Uh, yeah. I guess that's 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 their thing. And then they pick up the phone and they call Big H. Yeah. Let him know. Though there's no resolution to that. I guess they just told him and then. <laughs> hey, so, there's kids who are looking for you. Be your, afraid. What about your dead son? Did he know his son was dead? Maybe that's how he found out. No, I, I think he did at that point. I'm Someone sure he, would have had to tell him. Yeah. Police. Well, speaking about the police, uh, we flashback over to Marissa, where she's actually standing where Johnny died and having flashbacks. And she's having dual flashbacks. They flash back between the night that Johnny died, but also between her deposition with the police. Between a very blue deposition to show it's in the past. <laughs> now, we find out that the police discovered Johnny did a very bad job of burning that note. I'm I'm shocked that that happened. He threw it right in the fire. And, and that, the fire kept burning. And that... That note is barely, like, barely scarred. There's you holes can read in most it. of it. Yeah. Apparently they found that letter, and so they want to talk to Marissa because she wrote the letter. And it turns out they're not investigating murder most foul. They're investigating suicide. Well, actually, they have two. They have two. They do imply at one point where they wanted to see if maybe it also made Ryan upset. But Marissa goes, no, Ryan didn't know about it. Yeah. And also... It was also it wasn't suicide. He slipped. So here's the thing: that's everything. This all makes sense. Everything these cops did makes complete sense because they have to follow up. That's yeah. their job. They found evidence, and they're trying to see if that evidence matches up with anything else they can find. And as we learn later, they don't find anything else, so they're going to rule it an accident unless if something crazy happens in the next episode. And this is the OC, which has gotten crazy. <laughs> but Marissa is like. Man, there's some crazy she's camera. panic attacking again. Yeah, she's panic attacking. There's some crazy camera. But she kicks over a crime scene. But don't worry, because Boy Chuck is there. 
for reasons unknown. I mean, considering what he said to Ryan, I guess he's just been stalking Marissa. He's just been wandering around Newport looking for her. You gotta be aware he's in a show, and he's just like, if I walk around enough, I'll find myself in a plot point. And he does, <laughs> and with he a does. flask. Yeah. He explains that the reason he hates Johnny, hated Johnny, yeah. is because Johnny used to be his friend, and he taught him how to surf, and then, and then Johnny was better at surfing, so he was jealous. <laughs> Marissa's like, stop talking to me. <laughs> so this is supposed to give us sympathy? No, I think this is Voychuk trying to seduce Marissa. Well, he does tell her, if you ever want to hang out, I'm here. Yeah. No. I can keep secrets, too. No, once again, that is my thing. Like, this entire thing is just him, like, his his attempt to seduce Marissa to get back at Ryan. <laughs> once again, I know we I know we, we make fun of, of using the, the cuck word for that, him using it, but he literally, that is the thing that he likes to do. That is literally his he, fetish. He thinks the worst thing he can do to a man <laughs> is sleep with his girlfriend. Yeah. The worst thing he can do is make a guy a cuckold. <laughs> Boy, Chuck. Well, man, you would have thrived in 2019, and you would have sucked. And we do not care for you, sir. Think you stay back there in 2006, where we cannot touch you, but you cannot touch us. Literally. All right. Uh, so we um we we get over to Kirsten and Sandy, and Sandy thinks the deposition went well. As we said, everything's being thrown out. It's going to be fine. Yeah. But he seems very tired and very stressed, so Kirsten thinks they should cancel the dinner. And Sandy says they can't, because he has to talk to Maya. Yeah, they need her for reasons. He has a second hearing, and I'm like, what? So did they fail their first doctor hearing? That's what Maya says. Maya Later when we're talking to Maya, she actually says, you know, she's oh, yeah, no, it, it's too bad that, you know, they didn't accept that first one. And he's like, well, you know, do it again. <laughs> And there's, like, no proof that they've changed anything. Also, they didn't do the presentation presentation to the doctor. And also, I, I don't, like... Because this entire storyline has just been Sandy being like, Matt, get Amaya. It also, it would have been nice to know why they turned it... I mean, I know that, that that seems kind of necessary, and they do say in this, like, oh, we made the changes that they said. But I don't know what they are, because, like, it... it to me, it seems like that, that like the going through the two of them, it it's kind of feels like the second one's kind of unnecessary. Yeah, like, it, it should have just been the first one. And I do understand like if they have two boards, like the board of directors and the board of doctors, then. But it really feels like one of those. It's kind of like how we have a governor general who has to well, sign a lot of the stuff. And also because Sandy's um, proposal has been like objectively, clearly, very humanitarian based. Yeah. As someone who works with a lot of doctors, I don't know why they would reject that proposal. Also, the implication was that they are not humanitarian-based, which would have been good to see. So, literally any information. Yeah. So, yeah, because, wasn't well, we don't necessarily need to know, oh, but what specifically was wrong with it? By leaving it out, it puts us in this really, really confusing thing where we don't get what's going on. And so we don't know why Sandy is so desperate. We don't know what the Maya and Matt thing is. Because and, and considering how Sandy acts out this episode, it really feels like there's a character plot point that was missing. Anyway, Kristen's unnerved by the fact that Sandy wants to talk to Maya. Nah, she's worried he's going to go too far. Like she was when she wooed Carter. And Okay, we don't know that she wooed Carter, but come on. <laughs> she was definitely willing to, to get advertisements for her. And Sandy's thing is much more important. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's... Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep, yep. 
So uh, Ryan and meanwhile, Ryan yeah. and Sadie just like stake out and have the best line. I'm gonna. I know. I know. We usually like reading out lines uh, verbatim, but I want to read this line verbatim uh, because it's the best line in the OC ever, which is where Sadie goes. Stake outs are a lot more boring than they are in movies. And Ryan <laughs> says no, that's because they always cut to when the guy shows up. Cue to the guy showing up. <laughs> Such comedy. <laughs> Once again, whoever wrote this episode, man, you're doing a great job. So uh, Uncle Jack, Big H, yeah. shows up in the most tricked out massive black truck. Oh, yeah. It's he, very shiny. He has priorities. And his priority is his truck and not his son who punched him in the face. But hit him with a baseball bat. Beat oh, him, that's right. Beat him quite a lot with a baseball bat. Uh, Sadie, seeing this... Is uh, filled with rage. So she she takes, I guess, uses a random pipe. I, yeah, <laughs> it's a large piece of metal. It it is a video game like iron pipe that you would get as a weapon in so that. She's like, "Hey, Uncle Jack, you pay that child support." And he's like, "What? So no." So she starts beating up his truck, and then grown men come out and beat up a teenage boy. Well, first they start attacking Sadie. And yeah. Ryan is like, absolutely not. Yeah, so he starts throwing punches, and they start throwing punches. Uh, to be fair, other than Sadie, who they know that who they know are ages, I I think they would assume that also Ryan probably is old, lot older. Yeah, because he's punching adults. Yeah, and also because he looks like he's twenty in his twenties. He looks the same age as Trey, and we know Trey is a man. It's true. So, uh, yep. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, unfortunately, does not cannot fight adults. Nope, he can only fight especially, other teenagers. Especially not four adults. I mean, only three, because one of them is just holding one Sadie. Just, <laughs> yeah, one of them is just like, no, you, ah, ah, hold on. Ah, I'll help you. So they go to a diner. Yep. Ryan's face looks great. Yep. And he says it's okay. Sadie's sorry. And then she's like, oh, it's too bad this didn't work out. This was Johnny's mom's last chance. He's, Ryan's like, hmm, you know what? I do see a lot. I do feel like I know people like Jack. Perhaps maybe going to him, going at him through his truck was the wrong idea. Perhaps I should appeal to the part of him that thinks he's a good guy. <laughs> and then he she thinks spin. he's the victim. And then he steals Sadie's car. Cool. And also, I love when he drives off and she watches him with this like abject confusion. Like no panic. Are they just like? My car's moving. What is happening? <laughs> it does look like she did not see who was driving her car and is more of confused <laughs> that her car is driving. Do I have a self-driving car? What year is this? Am I a wizard? Is this 2019? Where am I? What's going on? I have so much ice here. She does <laughs> have a lot of I ice. Also love she puts ice into a thing to put on Ryan's head and Ryan just leaves. And now she just left with like a towel full of ice. She's like, what do I do now? At a diner somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so uh let's go to the dinner and there's some cute banter where all the adults are talking about how they first met each other and turns out both, both sandy and maya are stalkers so so sandy's stalkers like for love. here we go here's my in hey maya fellow stalker please help me please help me get a hospital maya if you don't help me there will be no hospital she- i don't want to exploit my personal connection but you are my last hope obi-wan kenobi it is worth knowing that maya's like oh yeah no totally i would love to look at it and maybe i can get you a meeting next week and he's like no monday the propose because the proposal will be up before that but hold on if they're still willing to be open to another proposal then clearly they can't go through with it and apparently, Sandy saying, no, I need it for Monday, is the breaking point that upsets Maya and Kirsten? Yeah, it's 
it's it's strange because like the other implication there is that Maya was like, oh yeah, I'll look at it and get you meet me with my dad just for fun, even though we even though we know that 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 would be like if if I was like, hey Aaron, I'll give you a job interview for a job. I mean, we're hiring the person on Monday, but I'll interview you on, on Friday for just fun, for, just for fun, just so you can practice being interviewed. You're like what? What? So the thing is, like. Maya knows. She knows the proposal has to be done. And she knows that Matt initially only approached her because of the proposal and then fell for her. She, she, she's, like, all, she's fully aware of all of this. So she's I, always been portrayed as so smart. She has to know that like this is something a lot. Like, like, yes, she obviously likes Matt and obviously that Matt likes her. But it's not like this is the first time she's ever met Sandy. And like, he is it great that she's it, explaining a personal connection? I don't know. People do this all the time. He's not pressuring her. He's not being slimy. He, he, he's he, not threatening he's her. He's just asking her, can you look at it? And he's not even saying, can you push it through? Can we get a meeting? Yeah, he just says, like, if you look at it, if you think it's good, will you ask your dad? M- most of what it comes down to is that it's weird that Maya would let it go this far. And then be outraged now. Yeah. And then she turns to Matt and she says, do you want me to look at the proposal? And Matt's like, yes. <laughs> And then Kirsten's horrified. Well, she she says, oh, well, then we have it too. But she's clearly upset. And then Kirsten's upset and Matt's upset. I'm sure Sandy's, Sandy's also upset. upset. I'm sure no one's very happy in that situation. And I'm also unhappy because I'm confused by everyone's emotions. <laughs> there's a lot There's a lot here that I just don't get. I don't know if it's business stuff. Like, I don't know. I don't get it. All right, well, let's go to people who are not upset. And that's Summer and Seth. I think this is the first time we've ever seen them make out. And they are making out in the way that teenagers do, laying on the couch. <laughs> like boards on top of one another. Summer angsts about her dad a little bit. This is when we find out that Julie Cooper has moxie and Seth likes that. <laughs> yeah. And then Neil comes in. And he is, much like Ryan, the happiest we've ever seen him. And, and Good for Summer can recognize that. And she goes, oh, shoot. I hate Julie Cooper, but she makes my dad really happy. Yeah. I assume he gets a call from her. Yeah, and like, then she's like, all right, well, we're done. Cool. Right. Cool. That's that's the end of that storyline. What a good storyline. People dealing with things, dealing with their emotions, growing and learning. Well, let's see if someone else can grow and learn. And that person, Jack Harper. Well, Ryan comes to Jack Harper. Jack Harper, who named his son John Harper. Ryan does the monologues. <laughs> I just want to I just wanted to put that out there. I know it's very obvious. I just want to make that absolutely clear yeah. that this guy was terrible. Real creative. <laughs> I, I won't name him Jack because I don't want to have a Jack Jr. I will name him John. A very similar name. That's like Jack. So Ryan comes in. He's like, hey, I'm a poor. My dad was really bad. But the worst thing he ever did was disappearing and destroying my mom's life. Maybe you could be better than that. Oh, but my son's dead. I can't make it up to him. Maybe you should make it up to the woman you beat up and abandoned actually what he says is maybe you should make it up to you to yourself and uh we think that the other guys are mad but then out comes big h with yep. an envelope of cash how much cash unknown <laughs> he says yeah just a, a, an amount of cash he also says to ryan i don't ever want to see you again i want ryan's boss to be like okay i'm not interested in you sir <laughs> i'm not gonna come back to indio <laughs> Now, this guy who plays Johnny's dad, that's yeah. the guy from, like, I've seen, he always plays that kind of, like, skeezy gang guy, right? 
I don't but like a bad gang. When when he first did the turnaround, I almost thought it was going to be a stunt casting just because of how much you saw the back of his head before he turned around. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't recognize him. I think he was on Veronica Mars and he played Liam McDonoghue, the Irish gang in season two, I think. Right. Someone tell me. Someone. Fans. Help. All right. Uh, we oh, have- and Sadie's there somehow. Sadie, took a- she took a taxi. You see the taxi pull behind. Yeah, I know, but. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she knew exactly where it was going. So uh, they're fine. That storyline is also done. Well, let's over to Kirsten and Sandy, where they, where we learn some sad things. So Maya loved the proposal. Unfortunately, she's moving back to New York because her time here is done. So she broke up with Matt. It's it's unclear. Uh, it, it's it, it, unclear. It's, it it is very much implied that she she also broke up with him. Because of anger over this. But the thing is, we already know Matt can't date a girl who lives in Chicago. And New York is further away. Yeah, I don't know if she... I mean... Do, Did do, she decide to leave the state because she was so <laughs> offended by this? Aaron, that is not the first time in the show that has happened. Also, uh, he was willing to date a girl in Chicago. She wouldn't date him. Well, you know what? She's smart. Because long-distance relationships are hard. Yeah. Especially when there's no um, end date. Once again, once again, this this entire thing comes down to we are confused by situations, so we make the assumptions that we have to make. Anyway, Kier- Kirsten is furious at Sandy. And for sure. reasons. I mean, I can see where they're going for with this, with the idea of like San- Sandy's very flippant about it, but he also very much implied that he's not. He's he, he, he just cares so much about the hospital. Yeah. And I thought when he spoke to Maya, he made it very clear that he was uncomfortable about what he was doing. Yeah. But he cares so much about the hospital that he has to ask her. Yeah. And he was willing for him to ask her instead of Matt. Like. Yeah. It's as I said, it's it. There's a lot of stuff going on there where like I can see what they're going for. I don't think they're doing it. in the Well. Book. Yeah. Because they kind of because they because you're supposed to see like, oh, hints that he could be, you know, like going over the line going past these things. And while you can see that, it does not feel as much. This, because this, the thing is, he's making a humanitarian hospital. Yeah. Yeah. If I needed a moment, like, this is what, this is what makes me feel like there was, a, there was an episode missing here from this, from just this storyline. We needed a moment where it's like he, you know, they had the meeting and he learned that, like, oh, no, even in this circumstance, like, like if if he had met a bunch of doctors who he presumed would be like humanitarian, and turns out no, they also are all about the money. Yeah, you know they want to do big billings. They want the plastic surgery from the rich people. They want to do the knee reconstructions yeah. for famous athletes. Then maybe that's his thing. We'd be like, okay, well, the only way we're doing this now is we have to have Maya essentially convince her dad that this is a better better option. Yeah, but we didn't get that. And maybe if Maya had said no, and then he had still pushed. But she never said no. She said, yeah, I'll get you a meeting. And he said, oh, it needs to be faster than you're yeah, offering. Yeah, she, she was, seemed perfectly happy to do that initial meeting, which... But then when he was like, no, not next week, Monday. No, wait, don't you know the timeline of your... No. no. Yeah, if you're the... <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> it just... It, it's like the show is afraid to make Sandy into a bad guy. So they're doing this, like, wishy-washy, not even gray, like, off-white... Thing. Yeah. And then Christian's like, oh, you're off white. <laughs> you're not as pure as you once were. Unclean. It just, it's not resonating for me. My thing, my thing is mostly like, I don't, I don't get the idea that she would agree to a, to a meeting after the deadline has passed. But when he said the meeting before the deadline. <gasps> like, what? You want this to actually have an effect on the thing you're asking for? What? What? How dare you? <laughs> 
No, we no, we can definitely get you that food. Unfortunately, it'll be after you starve to death. You want it before you starve? Selfish. How dare you? <laughs> so here's some quick little stuff. Um, Marissa is hanging out alone at the bait shop. I, the bait shop is bumping, but she is alone. And then she sees Voychuk. <laughs> so she leaves. <laughs> I mean, it's what I would do if I saw Voychuk. I'd be like, no, I'm not being here. <laughs> what, what is he doing? That's a scene. They yeah. paid to do the bait shop. They filled it with extras. Yeah, that's what I mean. Scene with Matt's apartment. Like, the, there's so many scenes where I'm like, what? How much money did you all of a sudden get? Like a grant, a raise? Because you that... had to spend the money, or you would lose it. <laughs> did you miss budget the season? I mean that that would be how that would be maybe where all this um, new crew came from. Maybe they got a huge like bump in their uh, their budget. They're able to hire a bunch of good people. <laughs> Uh, so Sadie and Ryan are in the car. She asks what Ryan's going to tell people about his face. And he's like, meh, I get punched all the time. And then she's like, no, not people. What are you going to tell Marissa? And Ryan's like, oh, I got to break up with Marissa. Yeah, because he says like, he thinks the reason why he left town is that he just needed to get out of town. And now that he's grappled with his thoughts. Yeah. Now, he now that he's grappled. He's thought about things. He, he needs to talk with Marissa. Clearly to break up with her, but you know. So, uh, Marissa is sitting at the lifeguard stand. She's at the sad lifeguard stand where she always goes. It used to be close to her house. Now it clearly isn't. So now she's making the trip to go do it, I guess. She's walking there. She gets a phone call. It's Ryan. He's like, "Mm, Marissa, can we say the thing I should have said before Johnny died? Ryan pulls a lot of stuff here that I don't know how, I don't know how I'm supposed to treat that where he was like, oh no, had nothing to do with Trey, nothing to do with Johnny. Um, this is, and there's like, oh no, it's just, it's not working out. And that's what people do say in relationships. I say very clearly, it doesn't feel like that's this relationship. Well, they've never actually been a very good couple. I mean, no, absolutely. They haven't been a very good couple. So this is maybe a kinder way of him <laughs> saying we are very bad for each other. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, I think the best response is like, Marissa, you need to be single for a while. I don't mean that as an insult. You just need to like learn how to be with yourself. Yeah. You have had too many, too many boys like me. <laughs> there's been too many times where you've, where you've had too many boys like you. And unfortunately, I think there's a third boy. But Marissa, I'm setting you free. I'm white fanging you. Go. So then Marissa cries. But meanwhile, at Ryan's place, Sadie comes in for them to play some more poker. And Forever Young plays. I, this is not the first time that, that <laughs> no, cover of that not. song is cool. Just wanted to make sure. Um... I do want to say I'm much more happy with Brian and Sadie. He's a, he also seems a lot happier. He is so happy when he's with her. He gets to do fun things. It, like, like fight grown men. And like emotions are not being thrown at him. And even though Sadie's very sad because of all the death. And they're a lot more like compatible, I feel like. Um, it is super weird how the show decided to give him a female version of Johnny. It's true. And it's so much better than when, when Marissa was with Johnny. Like, remember how Marissa would go to the beach and hate everything at the surf competitions? Yeah. She hates surfing. She thinks it's so dumb. Oh, yeah. No, I do not know what she liked. About, I, I do know what she liked about Johnny. She liked, he liked Johnny, her. He li- she liked that Johnny liked her. Yeah, yeah, that's the only thing. She had nothing else to share with him. Like, she was miserable every time she went to watch surfing. Yeah, and she did not understand how his house was not a big house. Whereas Ryan, he loves that fixing pipes and playing poker and, yeah, and be, be driving rough, in cars. Rough and tumble. And 
Well, unfortunately, that is not the last moment of this episode. It's not Ryan and Sadie playing poker. Nope, there's one more moment. <laughs> Once again, sauntering into <laughs> scenes like like some sort of sojourning ghost. For reasons unknown. I mean, he's been stalking her. In comes Voychuk, and he stands at the bottom of the ramp to the lifeguard stand. <laughs> he smokes a cigarette. Voychuk. You realize they're not, they're not, I guess he missed that they're not dating anymore. He didn't hear the phone combo. Yeah, so he doesn't know that he's no longer cucking Ryan. But now maybe he likes her. (laughs) Unclear. Unclear anything about Voychuk. He is a mystery of a human being. I cannot. He is a human equivalent of a jack, of a Cracker Jack box. I cannot, like, you know, most characters, you're like, "Eh, I can see you existing in the world. I cannot see. Like, well, the the idea of them writing this character, be like, okay, we gotta have a guy who's like a uh, a rival to Johnny, someone that you know Ryan can like save him from that thing. Uh, he's gonna be you know sleep with uh, Johnny's uh, girlfriend, who will never appear again, despite her you know longtime boyfriend dying. I mean, we don't know how long mm, they were, honestly. It's fine, but then. Was he so charming and magnetic <laughs> that they decided to bring him back? They keep bringing him back and like in such small things. And then him appearing in this scene is like, oh God, he's staying around. Is this, he a ghost? He just no, no. We know who ghosts are. This is not a ghost. The ghost was Jess. The, the ghost was Jess, who <laughs> who is gone now. She has moved on now. That Trey has has left town. Has left town. She has moved on, finally, her, her ghastly, earthly business completed. I j- Weird we ending. We watched this. Weird ending. So, Aaron. Yes, Kevin. So this omen, did you... <laughs> In this episode, did I find a CW moment? Yeah, did you? Did I find a moment where logic stood... At the end of a lifeguard stand, smoking a cigarette and looking out to the sea, contemplating its future of drama. I did. And it was when Kirsten was furious at Sandy. Because I did not... Like, am I just inclined to love Sandy? Well, especially considering how she was... There was a throwaway line that implied she was going to do something pretty similar. Yes, and that's the thing. Yeah. Just don't put that... If, if if that line was not in there, I would probably be more inclined to be like, yeah, I mean, she's got her own, you know. She, she's she has got a her point. issues with her dad. And, and it wasn't as confusing because she does have a point. The show just not do just not supporting her in her point. Yes. You know what? If Sandy did do bad things and Sandy seems like he could be inclined to do bad things. Yeah. He was very respectful in the way he talked to Maya. And Maya was on board until he said, no, you have to do it before the deadline. <laughs> Like, I just, the whole plot, I don't, no, it has to have been poorly written because I made no GD sense. Yeah, yeah. Kevin, did you find a CW moment? Um, I did. And my moment is one of the many times that Voychuk just Appeared? arrives. And mine is actually the first time Voychuk arrives. Because you have Sadie there being like, you know, oh, you know, I gotta go do this. I gotta go to Brea and do this thing. Um, And the thing is, we don't need it yeah Voychuk just like like with <laughs> doesn't knock doesn't do anything just wanders into that room looking off in the corner and be like hey you ready to rock and roll huh <laughs> i didn't realize she was talking to someone <laughs> and then and then not only that like immediately th- she, she's like oh well actually no just just write down his 
Just write down his address. Which means that he was, like, if... the what is what's the conversation there? That she was like, "Hey, I need his address," and Voice was like, "No, nah, I I'm gonna go with you." And then as soon as he saw Ryan, he's like, oh, "I can't get in this way. My feelings are too conflicted here. The woman I love and the man I love together. Ooh. Oh, I can't do that. The woman I love and the man I want to cuck. I don't know. But also, I love him. He punched me in the face once. It was so good. That's my kink. I have very many kinks. Uh, but." Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> like really, like I mean, I can tell you why he was in that scene. He was in that scene so that he could do that weird threat to ride where he's like, so we would understand why he was stalking Marissa. <laughs> yeah, and the implications that he's stalking Marissa because Ryan got to go on the car trip with Sadie as so, so, so Ryan was like, no, actually, I'm gonna go on the car trip with Sadie, and, and Volchuk's like. I'm going to have sex with your girlfriend. Guess what I'm going to do now, Ryan? Stalking. <laughs> what What an insane escalation <laughs> of, like... I mean, that's about the same escalation he had with Johnny. True. Where, like, Johnny was mean to him on the beach, and he's like, I'm going to have sex with your girlfriend. <laughs> and he did. <laughs> and he did. That's, that's all I can imagine. Is the, is, that's, that's his, like, main... His main way of dealing with people. Like, I imagine him at, like, a McDonald's. And he's like, I want to get a Big Mac. And they're like, oh, unfortunately, actually, we don't have any of the um, the special, like, the Big Mac sauce today. And he's like, I'm going to have sex with your girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me? Who's your girlfriend? It's an appropriate escalation. <laughs> it's an appropriate escalation in, in things that are happening. <laughs> I mean, I guess I'm glad for more Voychuk. <laughs> Do you... Can I get a Coke? Uh, is a Pepsi Is a Pepsi fine? I'm, I'm going to have sex with, with your girlfriend. With your girlfriend, man. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> I don't have a girlfriend. Get a girl. I'm going to get you a girlfriend, then I'm going to sleep with her. I'm gay. I'm going to get you a boyfriend, I'm going to sleep with him. I'm still extract my revenge. <laughs> I God, think I'm going to sleep with your significant other. First, I'll make you fall in love, then I'll take it away from you. Now, what happens if he ever runs into an asexual? I should not call someone an asexual. <laughs> What's going to happen if he ever runs into someone who's asexual? I mean, I guess he's going to sleep with them. Oh, they will not like that. No, they will not. But he'll find a way of doing it. He's apparently very alluring. This People just want to sleep with him. This creepy man. <laughs> oh, Voychuk. You're not going anywhere. All right. Well, hey, that's uh, that was this episode. It was kind of a weird one. We watched it. I'm oh, glad you listened to it. Uh, if you liked it, you should give us a rating review subscription on uh, Apple Podcasts or Google Play or Spotify, wherever you find us. You should also use Twitter or Instagram to tell me how I know the actor who plays Big H. That is Podcast MOA, Podcast MOA. Or if you need to, like, link me to things and, like, give me your dissertation about the guy who plays Big H, email it to me, podcastmoa at gmail.com. And you can also uh, get to us individually. Aaron, uh, what what have you got going on? I'm over at a flimsy plan blog on Twitter. And I'm at Strawman K. Weir, and you can pick up my novel Endless Hunger, a cyberpunk fantasy available on Amazon and Kobo and anywhere else you want to find it, as well as a fantasy novella serial called All Gods Fall. It comes out once a month, and the season one is wrapping up this month. At the end of the last Friday of this month, part five of season one will be coming out. Ooh, Ooh. two weeks from now. That's enough time to read the rest of the parts. Get on it. Okay, just about enough. Will Sandy finally go too far? Is there romance between Ryan and Sadie? Whose girlfriend will Voychuk sleep with next? For answers to all this and more, join us next week on Mystery Outsiders and Abs. A teen drama fan cast?
I also appreciate how his how his like Voychuk is seducing them. Oh yeah, he's like putting the work in. Yeah, like he he is trying to emotionally connect with. <laughs> like, cause he can't just have random sex. No, that would, that would be skeezy. 